sitting opposite me now is Andrew Mc... I was going to say John, because we were just talking about John Fleming. Andrew McSweetie, hello. Thank you, Simon. I've been called much worse than John Fleming. <laughs> I've been called John Fleming, actually. We often get confused as twins. Yeah. Us, but yeah. He's got much more hair than me, but it's weird. I yeah, don't know. yeah no, these things yeah. happen. Uh, now, um, now the reason you are here, a musician, I've, mm-hmm. I've had a chat to you before. I'm yep. trying to think how long ago it was. I was thinking the same. It must be at least three, four years. Yeah. It has to be. And back then you were working with John Fleming. Yeah, with Dirty Rascal. Dirty yeah. Rascal, which yeah. is now no more. Well, is there, that was a deep breath, wasn't it? Is um, there gossip there? No, or? not at all. No, we just kind of get to a point where we said, look, we'd, we'd kind of jumped a few hurdles and we're doing a few things at the beginning of COVID. We were doing a few festivals and things. And then yeah. we all know what happened there. And pretty much we didn't survive that really. It kind of, we yeah. came out the other end and thought, hang on, I think, I'm not sure if I want to do that. We all, we all had that same feeling of, do we want to do that again? And and I, I personally didn't really have the energy for it. I don't think anyone really did. We all got busy doing other things. Yeah. And uh, and and I, what I'm here to play today was, was kind of my lockdown um, project. Though, that, okay. Uh, I was um, mucking around at home, just writing and recording, and and um, sending it to a guy called Michael Ingerson to to he would send it back with everything else added to it. Right. So, mm. so the the new project. So it is is it a band called yep. the Wishing Horse. That's or? right. It's myself and the Wishing Horse. Yeah. Andrew McSweeney and the Wishing That's Horse. That's right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> now, so that came, and through COVID, so you were just sitting at home. How do you mm. how do you start up a band when you're sitting at home in your lounge? Serendipitously. Um, so I, I, Michael, I recorded the CP with Michael, and then I did my first gig. It was I mean, you know, I think it was two years ago now, March. Yeah. Um, just when we were starting to come out, and um, it was at the little pub in town called the Drunken Poet, and I was going to play there. And then Michael said, "Oh, I'll play." And then his partner Gabriella, she sang the backing vocals, and she should, she said she'll come along. And then her, his, their daughter Nicola played bass, and she yep. said she'd come along. My brother Paul played guitar, and they all just, and the band just kind of started. They volunteered, and then it started. And then each time I've got, I've said, I've got another gig, got another gig. Would you like to play? They, they all go, yeah, yeah. So, oh, nice. you know, and for the last six months we've been playing quite a bit at um, Wesley Ann in High Street Northcote. It's yep. a really beautiful little room, and it really suits us. And we, we film what we do just with phones and stuff, and it just, it's just really great. Yeah, nice. While, while we, while we, you know, f- find our way. Excellent. Um, now let's get into your history, as because the one thing I love, uh, you know, we ch- chat about the music you're playing. I'll get you to play a song or two mm. in a minute, but I do love people's backstories about how music came into their lives. Were your mum and dad musical at all? Um, yeah, the whole, the whole family was musical. I'm, I'm number eight of nine children. Yeah. So my, all, we all play at, to some degree, but I remember really clearly sitting at the table as it's, a young. It's like a Partridge family yeah, or Brady Bunch thing. Exactly. Ready, ready to go. It's nuts. And my older brothers and sisters all play. Yeah. But they never, it was never an idea or a concept to, to head that way as, as a career. And I remember really clearly sitting around the kitchen table as a, as a I was by 14 or 15, I was playing in bands and I I was pretty clear what I was going to do. Yep. And mum and dad posing the question of, oh, what do you think? Do you think this is really a good idea? And because I was the second youngest, I had older brothers and sisters who, who then were that voice of reason to say, no, he'll, he'll be all right. Yeah. And then it was never, the question was never asked again. Off I went. So how hard is it though to forge a career as a musician? Is Like is Melbourne a big enough place to make a career, a full-time career, or have you had to do other jobs? So um, I remember there was one, I, I'm a father. I've got four, five children, stepson and four daughters. And 
And I remember one well, week... That's a, that's a big family budget. It is You've a big... meet each Yeah, week. yeah, that's yeah. right. And and at one point, I had I had two kids at the time, and I remember I had three gigs. And then the next week, I still had two kids, two kids, but I had no gigs. Yeah. And I thought, hang on, this is not a, this is not going to work. Yeah. So I I um I was fortunate enough. I fell on my feet with uh, in in education with, with music, and I had a really great great mentor. I worked in a rock education band when I was in my late teens, and we used to tour Victoria. Um, what's, a, what's a rock education? Band? Yeah, it was called Rollover Beethoven. It was a government, state government funded. Pete, you know, remember Pete Steedman? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, he well he headed up a thing called Oz Music, and so I I was the very first thing they did back in the late eighties, and um, and uh, and then by the yeah we were we were touring Victoria playing to playing to schools. I was in a sixties cover band called the Running Bears back in the eighties, and yeah. that band was employed to be this education band, and. It was a whole lot of fun, but it just taught me so much. It taught me how to just walk in a room and tell someone what I do. Yep. It taught me how to communicate what it is that I do and how I do it, whether it was writing a song or singing or playing guitar, how I learned something. And and this person saw it in me. Her name was Sue Gillard, and she saw it in me that um, that I was I was good at that. So I, I just kept doing that and just kept kept – I've always – you know, I love playing music, music and I just wanted to um, – you know, involve it, keep it, make it all encompassing. So, so what's a gig like that involve? You rock up at a school. Mm. Hello, my name's Andrew. Yep. Uh, I'm here doing this this thing. Uh, you go into a classroom, or do they you know, fill out the auditorium at a school or the the gym? Eventually, they would. So we would spend the day. So the students would register for whatever they wanted to do. So we'd the band would pretty much break up. You'd have bass and drums doing a workshop, guitar, singing, songwriting, whatever it was. Um, uh, history of rock and roll or, or what, how the industry works or doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. And then we'd all come together at the end of the day and, and put on a show. And often that show would include um, other musicians, uh, students that would get and perform with us. Yeah. So, so if I was a kid who wanted to play the drums, I'd hang out with the drummer for exactly. a while. And, and, that's right. And what, have, have a bash on the drums? Yeah, and... yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. I really like that. That's yeah. a great idea. Because back... When I went, when I, my high school days, our music program did not include anything to do with rock and roll. No. Or, but, but what it did was there was in, in, in the structure of the school, there was nothing, but there was a basement which had, which was filled with musical equipment, which was completely unsupervised and all organized by the students. And that's where a lot of uh, my music, my music started. And, and I had older brothers who were performing in there too. And that's, that's where still to this day, we all play together because of that environment that was set up uh, not even through the school by the school yeah it's different these days there's all sorts of pathways to take i mean so now i have a music school myself and a studio i've got a school called the school of loving music yeah and um and a recording studio in north melbourne and and uh so i do do a lot of work in youth justice i do a lot of mentoring uh around music and youth justice is in so when kids are sort of a bit off the rails you yep. sort of mentor them yep we know, use we use hip-hop yeah, hip hop's a great way, but they love it. The, the young, the young people in there really love hip hop. You don't really look like sort of Eminem, or it's, no. uh, is, is it hard to get the attention <laughs> of you know rebel tearaway yeah. kids when when you look like you know a, a man who could wear a suit yeah. and tie and stand yeah. in a courtroom? No, I, that's uh, that's why I get young hip hop producers to to do that. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> we discovered about twenty years ago that hip hop artists are really great mentors great role models yep. uh, for young people and they really connect. They get it. Um, they live really uh, healthy, clean lives and they really, they're very passionate about what they do and, um, and it just works and it just keeps on working. 
That's terrific. Yeah, it's amazing. The the power of music. Absolutely. It is one th- one thing we've all got in common, and we all oh, yeah. love different styles and stuff. But music is uh, just a, a it's a powerful thing. It's so it's so incredible. Um, I'm actually I've been working with a guy in the UK called Darren Eden. I do lots and lots of things, but we're running a w- workshop in in April. It's it's called Magic and Music, and it's all about that. It's all about the power of music and how music amplifies love. Yep. And um and and how you don't have to be a professional. It's it's about how do I get myself out of the way, um, to allow myself to just play the music that I'm that I can play. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I have all these beliefs and assumptions around. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not it's not for me. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm telling myself. When I remove that and just come back to love and just come back to what what I feel like playing, everything changes. Whether I'm a beginner, because or whether I'm a professional, doesn't matter. Yeah. Nice. Same thing. Um, all right. Now, you've got your guitar in your lap. What are you going to perform for us here? So um, I'm, I'm going to play a song called Hiding in Plain Sight because another hat that I wear is um, a men's health hat, and it's a, a also um, part of an organisation called Gathering, Gathering Men. Gathering Men. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. talk we'll, you know, I'll get a song yeah, out of you. We'll, we'll take a break, then we'll chat about that. Yeah, That'll all be right. Great. And I can tell you about the other, at the other end. Yeah, cool. Um, this is, and it's also this is a single off the EP. All right. Um, There were golden coals And it was late in the evening Finding our way back To find a way to look for a way out That held no I could hear the train's distant rumble It go through the cold night air The whole book I would fumble I'd make it up Throw it all away The heart will Back 
Andrew McSweeney from Andrew McSweeney and the Wishing Horse. 